Hi, this is Melissa Lynn, and you are listening to Awakens Nation with Brad Zollins. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zalas, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Hey everybody, I have an extraordinary guest on today, uh, but aren't they always extraordinary guests? Uh, I really am blessed to know some cool people, and today I have Melissa Lynn on the show. Hi Melissa, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you, Brad, for having me. Good, good. Uh, I'm going to read off your bio, but what really uh, blew my mind is we met through Leah Woodford at uh, the Smart Femmes Summit in 2019. Uh, I had known you online a little bit, and I started noticing your work. Uh, but it was just it was just the way you stood up uh, and the way you declared your power as they say in the age of womanhood uh, I had to get you on the show and talk about this so are you ready are you nervous I am, I am a bit nervous even though you know I've done this before it's, it's always you know a little, a little extra exciting <laughs> good good so let me read your bio uh, and I love this about you. I mean, you're going to hear it in your bio. Everybody who's listening today, I think they're going to get a lot of value from this. And please go get a notebook and a, and a piece of paper and a pen because uh, uh, Melissa's going to reveal some secrets today. <laughs> so anyways, Melissa Lynn is a mother, an entrepreneur, a survivor of abuse, and a self-love advocate. Motivated by her own journey to reconnect with her authentic self, Melissa released 115 pounds of weight that was no longer serving her highest potential. Dropping the stories of her past, she continues to make decisions that align with her own inner peace and happiness. She discovered how to truly find balance and live her healthiest, happiest, most abundant life possible. Melissa believes it is her soul's calling to mentor support and coach others in finding their own path to living a life filled with purpose wellness and happiness melissa is a certified life coach leadership coach as well as a certified nutrition health coach melissa is the owner of lissa lynn coaching and consulting llc she practices a holistic approach to whole body health and wellness looking at how all areas of life are connected and how each impacts the other Please welcome to the show, Melissa Lynn. Thank you so much, Brad. You're welcome so much. So let's get started. Uh, you, you never hide the fact that you've been through uh, abusive relationships and things like that. Let's start on that journey where you finally just decided to stand up and walk out. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I definitely don't hide from it. You know, I feel like this is what this is where my power has come from. So I got married at 18. You know, I had just graduated high school in May. Um, I decided I was getting married in November. You know, I, as a young kid, you know, we always feel like we know what's best for us, even though everybody around us is saying like, oh my gosh, you know, you're making the worst mistake in your life. And I was determined to prove otherwise. And so, yeah, I, I took this journey. I got married turned out to uh, be very abusive. Um, I spent many years going through domestic violence. I um, had two amazing children. So, you know, when we talk about things that happened to us, I'm proud. I'm proud to be a survivor of that. And, you know, I have two amazing kids. So I 
you know, it was one day I just decided I needed to, for myself and for my children's sake, I needed to get out. And after many years, you know, there's, there's many reasons why women go back to their abusers. I had left multiple times and always ended up going back. And finally, one day I decided enough and I was a full-time student didn't have a job and I decided two weeks before Christmas that this is my time and I packed up my kids and I packed up my stuff and I was out. So it was the scariest thing I've ever done but yet now looking back it was probably the bravest thing I've ever done. I agree on that. I mean it's it, I see women in bad relationships and uh, I watch from a distance you know most of us are you know, we're trying to be healthy. Nobody's perfect, but I'll see, uh, I saw a friend of mine. She had gained a lot of weight and she was in a, an abusive relationship and she kept making excuses for her husband's behavior. And they turned out to be fans and he turned out to be crazy. I mean, I, I hate to use that term, but um, he had something wrong with him and it was so bad. His neighbors reached out to me on social media to warn me. Okay. Okay. So I felt incredibly bad for her, but she wound up telling me off like I was the person who had the problem just so she could keep peace in her marriage. And I felt so bad for her, you know, living in this hell. What do you, advice do you give to women who are living inside this hell? And they just have to, they just have to make it okay uh, because they have kids there. They have this person is just one step shy of a full load. They will destroy their life yeah. if they try to leave. Is there any hope that you can give these women? Definitely. You know, my biggest thing first is, is release the shame of it. A lot of times we tend to stay in those situations because we are afraid to admit to ourselves and to those around us that we need help, that we've you know, made decisions that weren't in service of our highest self. And so it's really just focusing in and deciding that, there always is something better and you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in your ability to get there. And it's not easy. And especially with domestic violence, there's always that threat, you know, what will he do? What will happen? You know, what about my children? But eventually you have to decide, are you going to stay and keep repeating these patterns or are you going to honor yourself and honor your children and teach them what, what life really is about? I've noticed that a lot of people don't realize the, the behavior of today's millennial was actually picked up from watching what their parents were doing, not lessons where they sat them down and they lectured them. It's they watched them work at a corporation and hate their, themselves so much they had to get out of the corporation. And millennials looked at that and said, I ain't doing that. I ain't <laughs> devoting my life. So imagine that, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to this, your children are paying attention at a level of communication that is nonverbal. They're picking up high clues, high signs of how you treat yourself and they continue to treat themselves the same way. It's amazing what we pass on from generation to generation without words. You know? Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, energy is magnetic and we attract like energy. And I was, I was determined that I was going to break that cycle. I did not want to pass on to my children the same behavior that I have had my entire life. You know, I am I, loud and proud. I am a recovering people pleaser. I have made most decisions in my life to please everybody else around me. 
um, to keep the peace, to keep everybody happy, to keep friends for, for multiple different reasons. And when you finally make that you know, determination to stand, stand in your truth and stand in your own you know, badassery, and you, you push forward for yourself, it changes the dynamic of the energy around you. That was the thing that I wanted to talk about. You and I, because we were talking in the green room and we were texting each other real quick, and I was like, uh, when you said stop people-pleasing yeah. and wake up to your badass self, that's when I paid attention to the work you were doing. Because, I mean, you were doing the work, but you were, you were waking up, and you're a teacher. At the end of the day, you're a teacher. And so when you were talking about <laughs> stop people-pleasing, I had, you know, I had to look at myself and go, wait a minute, is she talking to me? You know, because you, you coach both men and women. So I was just like, gosh darn it, that Melissa, she's you're dead on, you know. <laughs> Let's talk about that, that people-pleasing uh, gene that some of us have, you know, and I see it all the time. I see people who are volunteering for church, volunteering uh, you know, for their children's, you know, bake sale, the Girl Scouts, Boy, Boy Scouts, they're driving their kids. Every, and then when you sit and you say, well, when have you spent time with yourself? And they look at you like you're a weirdo. If you haven't spent a little time with yourself, what's going to happen, Melissa? Let's talk about this. Well, for me, it was gaining 115 pounds. It was making decisions for everybody else. And in that process, I was miserable. So I, you know, I would take on extra projects at work because I was trying to please, you know, corporation. I was trying to please those around me. I was providing for my children, obviously, but I was going above and beyond. I wanted to make sure that, you know, after the divorce and um, their biological father losing custody of the children, I wanted to make sure that my children were happy. And so I was making decisions for them, which really weren't, you know, in their best interest, but also weren't in mine. And then... I got married again. I went from one marriage right into another, knowing that I shouldn't have done that. However, I was too afraid to walk away when I saw the red flags because I was so focused on pleasing everybody. And so in that process, I started eating. You know, I was so unhappy that I found comfort in food. And in that process, you know, I just kept, I would say yes, and then I would go home and eat some pizza. And it was just this constant cycle. And you know, there, there comes a point where you have to really realize that what you feed your body is just as important as what you feed your mind. And if you're not feeding yourself, you know, positive thoughts and you're not feeding yourself the ability to, you know, even give yourself the option to live for yourself, you know, it's, it's a very unhealthy road you're going on. Isn't it amazing what we carry in our brains and our thoughts? And, and it's not even conscious. It's our... Uh love or hate relationship with ourself and we we don't even see ourselves authentically and i i think you start to wake up when you hit about 40 and you look around and you go wow the journey i've i've been through i'm looking at myself now and i'm going whoa and i want everybody to know this this affects men and women uh and i'll tell you my story a little bit uh melissa and we've talked about this before um my mother used to always call me fat or husky she says, well, you're, you're husky, Bradley. And I always was uh, self-conscious about my weight and ashamed of my weight. And, you know, I would, and it, it bothered me. And then I look back at pictures of myself and I'm thinking, was she nuts? Because 
I had six-pack abs my whole life up until I was maybe like 30. I was skinny, and I thought, how could this woman, and my mom was overweight, and she was tiny, so she was just projecting her own stuff onto me, and I picked it up, and I'm walking around, and I look at pictures of myself when I was 19, and I'm thinking, I, I don't think I had 2% body fat on me, and I'm thinking, how could she have done that to me? How could she have projected that onto me? And I bought into it. What I saw in the mirror was not reality. And uh, I look back on that now and I'm just like, whoa, what? I mean, we all do it. Am I right? Yeah. I, you know, that's, it's such a touching story because for me, there was that moment too. I was in, I remember being in high school and I was a freshman in high school playing varsity volleyball. And the coach would, in the off season and through training, our coach would make us, you know, do running stairs and do all the stuff that you need to do to stay in shape. But she would actually weigh us in. And when she would weigh us in in a group, she would put our weights in the grade book. Well, turns out she ended up not keeping that very secure. So there was one day the entire football team got a hold of the grade book and had everybody's weights. And so I remember walking into the coach's office and all of these boys were in there and they were like, oh my gosh, we will say, you know, do you, do you actually weigh 162 pounds? And I was like, no. <laughs> and it, at the time I was so, I was so scared, but I was, you know, I'm, I'm almost 5'10". So I'm not by any means yeah. a short, petite little girl. And, you know, I was in great shape. I was an athlete and yeah, I weighed more than the girls who were 5'2 and, you know, 100 pounds soaking wet. And I just remember being so mortified. And I've taken that with me into my entire life. Like that, wow. one, that one episode talking about my weight in public, you know, it, it, it was one of those things that like destroyed me inside. But here I am, you know, telling Awakened Nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, the one thing is, is that you faced it. And I can't believe the, the, the things we went through in high school and junior high. It's just ridiculous. But the fact that you're, you're almost 5'11", you're 5'10", and so you, 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 in high heels, you tower over me. It's hysterical. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm, because I'm 5'9". And so um, you telling me this, that they're like, do you really weigh? You know, it's like, of course she weighs 20 pounds more because she's a foot taller than every other girl around her, right. you know? And it's muscle. And by the well, way, let's be honest. I was a foot taller than most of the boys too, because there's, you know, we don't we don't breed them very tall here. <laughs> no, it's not Scandinavia, you know, <laughs> not here. Uh, but it was like, oh yeah, and you're in you're in New Mexico as well. Uh, shout out to New Mexico. But so you were you were probably um, a, a giant uh, compared to. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was must have been amazing. It, and so you're going down this road kind of being uh, standing out like a sore thumb uh, and figuring it out for yourself uh, and getting comfortable with yourself. I think that's the most powerful part of this. Yeah. It, it's been a process. You know, it, it hasn't always been, been easy. I, you know, like I said, I went from one marriage to the other. I dealt with a man who had seven affairs. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, people are like, Melissa, like, how could you stay? Well, I couldn't imagine leaving. Like, I was so, I was so unhappy with myself, and I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe that I deserved any better. So I stayed. I dealt with it. And, you know, finally there comes that point where, 
whether it's emotional abuse or it's physical abuse, you have to decide for yourself that you deserve more. And once I made that decision, I filed for divorce and, you know, I haven't looked back. It's, it's been the greatest decision that I've ever made. Well, I always find this hysterical that somebody can cheat on someone else and you can talk about this if you want. Um, and then when you decide to stand up and leave, they blame you. Like, like you're the, you're the problem and they try to get back at you. Yes. It, yeah. I, I was told that I was making a catastrophic error in my decision to file for divorce. <laughs> and the, the, the error that I made honestly was staying for, you know, giving him the opportunity to have seven affairs. And you know, it's, it's so funny because like, I know what I deserve now, you know, but at the time I, you know, I lost all of that weight. I went from being, you know, morbidly obese to running a half marathon. I was a distance runner. I was running eight, 10, 12 miles a day. I was constantly working out. And, but at the end of the day, I was still miserably unhappy because I was, instead of feeding myself food to hide my emotions, not deal with my, you know, my stories of my past and the issues that I was going through, I turned to exercise. So we all have things that we turn to to numb out so we don't have to process what we're feeling. And so for me at that time, it was fitness. So I was the most fit I'd ever been, and I was the most unhappy that I had ever been. And once I decided to, you know, what is this? There's something that's missing. What is, what is the magic sauce to this happy life that we're supposed to be living? And for me, I really figured out that it was really feeding my mind. I needed to feed my mind as well as I was feeding my body. And that's, that's really when the light switch went off and my life changed. Wow. There's a lesson in there for every woman listening and every man listening. Uh, yeah, we're in a Western world. And we make a lot of decisions based on our physical look. Yeah. And it's just not true. It's not true at all. I mean, I've met women in New York City that could have been models and they think they're ugly. And I'm thinking, how did you get that mindset in there? And I think when you hit a certain age, you just say, you know what? It's time to empty the trash. Yeah. It's time to empty that head trash and create something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I, that's what I really uh, was blown away with by you, is you stand in your power. And I've always liked and been attracted to strong women. But there's two kinds of strong women, and I, I want to talk about this. I've never gotten a chance to talk about this, but I've seen there are strong women that truly stand in their power. They, yeah, they've been through some bumpy rides, but they stand up and they say, you know, I'm strong, I'm powerful, and the right man is standing by my side. Or maybe not. Maybe they just they want to be independent. And then the second type of strong woman is one who's been so abused, so beaten down, they're actually pretending to be strong in order to survive, in order to thrive, and they won't let anybody in that door. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it is, that's, that is so true. The, a lot of the women that I work with are the second. They're, they are the women who are pretending to be strong, pretending to be this powerful you know, woman. All they are doing is wearing masks. So as you start peeling back the layers of their life and what they're actually going through, you find out how, and I hate to use the term broken because nobody's actually broken, but you find out how unhappy they are and how much they, they don't value. They really don't value themselves at all. So once you can start getting to that and you're able to get them to start looking at how they, 
how they're living life, how they repeat patterns. Are they actually happy? And once you, you know, it's really very simple, Brad. You know, I, I really work with my clients and it's when you're making decisions, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Because if it's a hell yes, you're, you're on board. You know, even if it's scary, it's still a hell yes. But if you're thinking like, you know, ah, you know, I, I've just got this feeling this could not be right. You know what, you know, if there's any sort of doubt, it's a no. And so if you're, if you live your life with that, it's really easy to break through the women who are pretending and even the men, because I, I have those male clients too, who are pretending to be so strong. And, and once you get to the root of it, it's, it's really not that. That's incredibly powerful. I mean, we, we have to heal. We have to take a moment to heal. Uh, I have a friend in my life right now. Uh, he's being caught with his pants down at every single level. He he owes thirty grand in child support. He owes a thousand over here. He owes two hundred fifty thousand dollars to the IRS, and he just keeps going to the next relationship and having that woman pay his bills. And he's a victim, you know, everywhere he goes. And it's like, dude, you need to stop and heal. You need to stop and pay these people you need to stop and take responsibility instead of pretending to be an alpha male and you got it all together um we kind of have to stop now i want to talk about something that you sometimes don't talk about but you had something that everything you're figuring everything out but then you're in an elevator oh my gosh <laughs> you know and this is i mean imagine this you are getting your life together, you're standing strong, you're getting mad, and then you're in an elevator one day and it drops and you can yeah. talk about that. That was, uh, that was the day that changed my life. So I, yeah, I, I was in full training for a half marathon. Everything was great. I, you know, leaving work, this corporate job that I, I, I was absolutely miserable, but I was leaving work at the end of the day and I've got my you know computer bag on one arm. I've got my my purse and you know women we, we love our bags and so my purse was full of a whole bunch of stuff and I've got my gym bag and I got my lunch bag because you know I had so many meals because I was on this you know very um, strategic eating plan and I get into the elevator and I hit one and then all of a sudden the elevator makes this terrible sound as the doors are closing and I had that moment of well that didn't sound right and then it drops so the emergency brakes kick on, jerks the elevator to a stop, thank goodness. But in that process of like free falling and then stopping it, basically an accordion, you know, it, it, it compressed my back. So for about four years after that, I had to get injections in my back. I would get six injections in my spine, which, you know, not pleasant, but it allowed me to still be able to function. I was still able to run. I was still able to, you know, to to be normal. I was still able to clean house and do all of these things until one day uh, the injection stopped working and the discs in my back actually blew. And I had to have back surgery to repair that. So I'm kind of at this point now in my life where my running career has been put on hold a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I look at the experience and I'm just, you know, I'm super thankful that the surgery was a success and that I'm able to walk and I'm able to, to jog and I'm able to do physical yeah. things. But yeah, it's totally changed. <laughs> well, uh, you, you, you told the picture to me in private and uh, you're a very active person. You're an athlete. Yeah. Um, but you were bedridden for months at a time and you could only live on crackers and, yeah. and, and peanut butter. 
And how much weight did you gain just in, in laying in bed all the time eating? That's all you could do. Yeah. I gained, during that time, I gained about 30, maybe 32 pounds. Um, it was so bad. When the disc blew in my back, and see, this was all workman's comp too, so they're, they're, that's a whole other story in itself. But I couldn't just go to the doctor. I would have to go through work comp. I would have to get appointments approved. So there was this whole process. It took about seven months to get my surgery approved. Um, my son would come in and he would have to basically like scoop me up out of bed and help me get up because I couldn't bend. So he would pick me up out of bed. My daughter would come in and she would help me get dressed because I, you know, again, I couldn't bend. So I wasn't able to put my shoes on. I couldn't pull my pants up. So it was, it was so different. Um, just, just going, you know, going from being super athletic and running to all of a sudden, Basically, everything that I, that I believed in was taken from me. Thank God you had two wonderful children yeah. uh, to help you because a lot of Americans, this is our system, folks. And when you get injured, you got to go through the process. And it may take you weeks to get one appointment when if you were just in regular you know, insurance, you could just go, yeah. um, but not under workers' comp. And imagine being super active and now suddenly you're in bed. And the only way you can eat, the only way you can do anything is you got to lay there and heal. And um, this is a powerful testament to you, Melissa, and that is you stand up strong and um, you don't let these things knock you down. Sure, you cry. Sure, you go, oh, for the love of God, what's going on? Sure, you mourn a little bit, <laughs> uh, but you move on from that. So anybody who's listening, I, I don't want you to think she's superhuman, uh, but I want you to understand she has developed her own system and methods to heal and move forward. Um, and that's what I admire about you. Hey, let's start talking about <laughs> how do you stop being a people pleaser? <laughs> uh, that one is, so this is a struggle. I, you know, I'm going to say this, Brad. I believe that we're all people pleasers. We all have a tendency to to do things for other people when we don't want to. It's just whether or not we are we're able to balance that with our own wants and desires and needs. So, um, you know, really it's my first, you know, my first advice would be just to slow down. You know, if, if somebody asks you to do something and you really like, you don't want to do it, you're on the fence about it. Say you need to check your calendar, you know, give yourself a moment to really just take a step back and, and think, you know, is, does this serve me? Is this serving my highest self? Is this serving my wants, my needs, and my goals? And if you can just slow down, it gives you an opportunity to really process that through so you're not making decisions, you know, spur at the moment. That is a tough one. You know, you have to develop that habit. I, I've had to do it. I used to say yes to everything. Yes, I'll do that. Yes. And then I'd hit a wall and I'd either get sick or I'd collapse and I go, oh, I, I just can't go out today. You know, and I think, you know, there's an old saying, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Well, why are you so damn busy, folks? <laughs> why Is it your work or is it everybody else's? Is your husband too lazy or your wife not bitching it? What's going on? Uh, we have a tendency, even though we're intelligent adults, to fill in what's missing in a relationship. You know, uh, if you want affection, sometimes you're the one who's initiating affection. You may be with the wrong person. <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and we do that. We're running on automatic, but the blessing is, 
This is the blessing in disguise. We're in a day and age where we can face this. You know, it, it isn't the same for my dad's generation. I mean, he would listen to this show and go, what the hell are you talking about? You know, he's from that generation. You suck it up. You know, my mom wound up in the hospital when I was 17. And we came home after the hospital visit, and I was clearly upset. You know, I wanted to talk. And my dad just hits me in the arm, and he goes, well, what do you want for dinner, buddy? <laughs> That's how we dealt with stuff. So I think we're in a fantastic day and age uh, for that. And I want to talk a little bit about you being a mom. Um, you have shared with me um, some extraordinary uh, levels of love and support for both your children. Um, uh, I want you to talk about that a little bit because you care. You care at a, at a different level because you know, you've lived through life and you're trying to give, give these lessons to your, your son and your daughter as a single mom now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not always easy. You know, I am raising a teenage boy and he is, you know, desperately trying to figure out what it means to be a man. And what well, I can only teach him what a woman looks for in a man, you know, what makes a man stand out, you know, values and morals and, you know, how to hold the doors, you know, how to, you know, men should always walk on, on the, you know, the outside of the sidewalk, you know, all of these different things that, that, you know, boys just don't know. But then there's that other side of that, that I can't teach him. Like I cannot teach him what it means to be a man because, you know, I'm, I'm not one. So it's, it's supporting him in his journey and in his process and making sure that he has the tools that he needs. And, you know, Brad, he, he's struggling, you know, he's struggling with school. He, school's not for him. He has decided that he wants to be in the Marine Corps. He, you know, wants to join the military. He wants, you know, he's got a, his future all planned out from him, but he's got to graduate high school. And it's really trying to support him in that process so we can get him there. And it, it's so interesting, you know, my daughter, she is 19, she's a sophomore in college, and she's excelling, and she's doing great, and children are, you know, they're so different, but yet they're so much alike, and it's, they have the benefit of, of learning the tools that I have now in my 40s that I didn't have at their age. So they're finding that their friends aren't really their friends. You know, they, they are able to recognize those superficial, you know, friendships and relationships and being used and being a people pleaser. And it's this whole process of really, really, really providing them the opportunity to discover who they are so that they're living life for themselves and not for me. Like the, the last thing I want them to do is to become somebody in an effort to please me when they really need to be pleasing themselves. That's some wisdom right there. How do we get a hold of you, Melissa? Uh, you have a website that uh, actually uses your nickname. It's the short version of Melissa, which is lissalynn.com. That's L-I-S-S-A-L-Y-N-N. Yes, and I'm also on Facebook, so you can find me on Facebook, and Melissa Lynn, and Instagram is I am Melissa Lynn. Do you need to take the door? I hear somebody knocking. That is my Yorkies. I don't know how she managed to get to the office. She was locked on the other side of the house. Hey, where are you, Mom? Hey, where you at? <laughs> right. Winston would have just stood up and opened the doorknob. That's and weird. my guess is he, I, I used the child, you know, a child's gate, and my guess is he probably knocked the gate down for them to get through. So describe your two doggies. I've seen them in pictures on uh, Instagram. You have, yes. you have Winston, the big, the big uh, lovable, what, what is he? 
He is a German short-haired pointer. He is my my running partner. He's actually my my attached at the hip everything partner. Um, he does make quite a few debuts on social media. And then my little one is Cheeky Cup of Tea, and she is a Yorkie. Awesome. Yeah, they're cute dogs. Uh, and you going running and stuff and having your dogs with you is, um, is a cool thing. Um, how, now, you're on Instagram as I am Melissa Lynn, and you're on Facebook as Coach Lissa Lynn, L-I-S-S-A-L-Y-N-N. Talk to us about coaching men. Because I know that you've coached women, but men seem to be coming out of the woodwork because you're kind of personable. I think I think you get men uh, differently than most women coaches, and I think that is a, a blessing. And you've formed uh, a new group on Facebook, am I correct? What's the name of that? Yes, the new group for men on Facebook is The Courageous Man, and you know I really feel Coaching men has been really powerful, not only for the men that I'm coaching, but also for myself. It has really given me the opportunity to repair the relationship that I had with men. And then also, it helps bridge that gap. I do coach women, and I'm able to, while I'm coaching men, I'm able to help them understand where they are on their journey, and yet how their journey runs next or side by side you know, with a woman or, you know, their wife or their girlfriend or whatever that is that they're going through. Right. And I think it's powerful because uh, you as a man, if you're listening, uh, you you may not want a, an alpha male coach or, you know, I've seen some of these business coaches. They're like, do you know what I've done? I invented Teflon. And if you only listen to my system, you know, you could be somebody, you know, and, and after a while, that gets boring. I want to go a little deeper. I want to go into the deeper crevices and figure out why I do what I do and how I'm going to do better and things like that. So I think a coach has to be somebody who can kick your butt, but at the same time is approachable. And I think that's what you provide because uh, you separate out how you coach women uh, as a uh, juxtaposed as to how you coach men. And you want to talk a little bit about the differences in that? I really find with coaching men, they men want to talk. You know, mo- more often than not, men have to put on this, this role of being the leader, being, you know, being tough, being the provider. And in that process, they're not able to fully express what they're going through and where they are emotionally and we are all emotional beings we all have you know things that we need to release we all have stories of our past that actually create who we are you know in current day and the the big difference is men really need to feel comfortable with their coach men need to know that it is a safe space and men need to to understand that they too are are worthy and deserving of being able to explore you know their emotional state and and really like the events of our past, the events of our past, is, you know, like I said, is, is what really creates our future. That's powerful because uh, being a man myself, I, I've started to realize I communicate differently than a woman. I mean, I've always known that, but it's the, the, the point uh, of the, it's how I process from my core that is different from a woman. 
you know, and case in point, intimacy is a, is kind of an interesting thing for men and women. It's very different for men as it is for women. Women need to feel sexy and happy before they'll have sex. Right. Now, men, on the other hand, we just want to have sex so we'll feel good. <laughs> so we're, we're, this is why we're hunter gatherers. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like men will stab to eat. You know, it's just a very different mindset. So we're coming, we're coming at relationships differently. We're coming at communication differently. We're coming at everything differently. And even though I've tried to to tell myself that I'm different from most men, I'm really not. I still have that that same communication style. Um, I can be quiet. I'm a little more talkative than most men probably about certain things. Um, but at the end of the day, we are very different beings. Am I, am I right on that? We are. And, you know, Brad, you hit, you hit a very good point with that. It's in order, you know, talking about sex, in order for women to be interested, like you said, they really need to feel sexy. That's an inside job. There's nothing that a man can do in that moment that is going to make her feel that way. And, that is one of one of the, I think the most eye-opening conversations when I'm working and coaching men who are you know in relationship, is for them to understand that they can't help with that. You know that is solely a job yeah. that, that their partner needs to do for for themselves. Well, you know the old the old methods don't work when you're married. You know when you go, oh come on, baby, you look so sexy. I can't imagine why you wouldn't see yourself. That way, you know, so so we're we're trying to do sweet talk and it ain't working, guys, because once you're in a long term stable relationship, uh the whole it's like your operating system just got turned from a PC to an Apple, you know, and you're like trying to press the same buttons and it's not gonna work. Simply because your wife or your, your significant other now uh just feels bloated and feels like, well, uh, I look horrible. I don't find myself sexy. Why would you want me? And now they're questioning why you find them attractive. And there's this whole rabbit hole that's right. going down there. And guys, we're simple. If you're <laughs> naked in front of us, we're happy. We're just ha we, we're happy. That's it. And then there comes that moment, though, that the men are like, Oh, oh crap! You know what do I say? Like they're down if they do, down yeah. if they don't, right? Yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope to be on once you're there. Yeah, because you could say I, f I still find you attractive, <laughs> you know, and that even saying that now is a landmine because like, what do you mean you still find me attractive? Still, now you're yeah. <laughs> now you're in a whole other minefield and you want to leave the room. You can't. Right. Uh, <laughs> we've been there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now you have a coaching program also for women. Uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, what's the name of that one? Uh, and we'll post it in the show notes as well. Yes, uh, the group on Facebook for women is the Badass Women, and I bring you know I bring women who stand in their badassery. You know, women who are sharing their stories, sh sharing the ups and the downs and the struggles, but more importantly, women who are not willing to stand in their truth to encourage and give other women the courage to do the same. And you know, that's really what what I'm all about. Get on Facebook and look for Melissa Lynn, my friends. Uh, you're going to love what she does. Uh, she did an Instagram video a couple months ago that had me cracking up. She realized she hadn't worked out that day. And I think it was 1130 at night. You're doing stairs and putting it on a loop. And I'm going, go to bed. Oh, for God's sake. She is dedicated to the craft of coaching. She is dedicated to the craft of coaching herself uh, and getting rid of those negative mindsets. 
Um, very, very powerful stuff. Thank you for being on the show today. Don't forget to go to www.lissalin.com. www.lissalin.com. That's L-I-S-S-A-L-Y-N-N. Now, I never let my guests go until I ask them a couple of questions in what we call the lightning round. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I am going to ask you this. We have three questions and three questions only. Number one is, what's your favorite music? You know, I'm I'm an 80s girl. I love New Kids on the Block. Um, You know, I definitely love boy bands and, you know. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So you're a New Kids on the Block fan? I am a total blockhead. I've been a blockhead since I was in fifth grade. And, yeah, I, yes, I love New Kids on the Block. I, you know, I love all kinds of music, Brad, but it's one of my children, you know, they're, they're definitely millennials, and they like New Kids on the Block because that's what they get the, the opportunity to listen to quite frequently. Yeah, because mom shoves it down their throat <laughs> all day long. <laughs> right. I never got the whole boy band craze, but I can tell you there are some talented uh, young men coming out of that. It's very funny. Uh, it's like me and my nephew. We're close. I taught him how to appreciate Rush and Led Zeppelin, so the, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. That's funny. So let me ask you this. What is uh, one of your favorite foods? Ooh, tacos. I love tacos. I could eat tacos every day of the week. We could do beef tacos or chicken tacos, shrimp tacos, fish tacos, veggie tacos, you name it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just recently posted on social media, you know, they do that thing. I, you know, in a relationship, they post their relationship status. And for me, I'm in a relationship with tacos. You know, I I love tacos. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny. Um, I think uh, nine out of ten Americans would agree with you. <laughs> I there's a place me and Sebastian go to out here in Las Vegas that uh, they have that Taco Tuesdays. It's a dollar taco, yes. uh, and, and they have chicken and they have brisket and they have uh, chorizo. I mean, it's well, yeah, yeah. I I haven't had a bad taco ever in my life. I swear. <laughs> my third and final question: What is your favorite memory? That is a good one. Favorite memory. Wow. Um, favorite memory would be Christmases with my grandma. Being able to, to experience that with her. Wow. Yeah. And, and I imagine you have the smells in the air of her cooking Christmas mm-hmm. morning and the, yes. the lights and then the, uh, the songs like Perry Como. <laughs> <laughs> awesome Melissa thank you so much for being on the show today Awakened Nation uh, and, and it, it's just I love the work that you're doing and I love uh, the road that you're on right now and it's you're really empowering women and men so thank you for all you do thank you Brad thank you so much for allowing me to come on your show and sharing my, my story there you go All right, everybody, thank you for listening in on another episode of Awakened Nation, and uh, we'll chat next week with another amazing guest.
Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week.